You're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creatives who are on a mission to do the work they feel most called to do and make some money while they do it. This is a show for the makers, the dreamers, the doers, the creators, the artists, the crazy ones, and the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job, we believe in creating it. So what does creative success even look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant AF life? That's precisely what we're here to find out. My mission with Creatives Making Money is to conduct 100 interviews with successful creatives and those who love and support them about money, career, and the process of making and doing what they most love, including all of the ups, downs, and in-betweens. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, writer, storyteller, filmmaker, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Hello and welcome to Creatives Making Money Episode 2. Today, we're speaking with yours truly, Jamie Jensen, the creator of the Creatives Making Money podcast, as in addition to many, many, many other things, award-winning screenwriter, all of the things. I've already given you my little brief intro, so I'm not going to bore you to tears with more accolades and random stuff about me, but I am going to share my story with you. Because what would a storytelling-focused podcast be without me sharing my story? And specifically on a podcast that talks about the tension between creative fulfillment and financial need, what would the podcast be without me transparently sharing my own money story? Now, my money story is a funny one. Um, It's a funny one for a lot of reasons, but it's particularly funny because like many money stories, it comes all jammed up with loads of other details about loads of other things. So I don't actually think that we can look at our attitude or beliefs or patterns towards or around money and not get into some deep, deep work. Personally, I don't think it's possible. Because where did we learn all of our money stuff from, right? We learned it from our parents, from our caretakers, from our loved ones. And we also learned it from our own struggles and strife. So many of our beliefs come from someone who loved us and taught us our beliefs as particular survival skills, or we learned them as survival skills because of our own experiences and things that we've been through. That developed, right, like what we believe and what we see and how we perceive the world and and how we perceive money and relationships and all of the things, right? And those people in our lives who gave us the beliefs that we have deeply wanted to protect us and help us succeed in the world. So maybe they had their own experiences that developed their their own beliefs related to survival and safety. And so they then wanted to deliver those to you. Now, some of that may have served you up until now, right? Some of that may be responsible for what you've been able to create in your life, what money you've been able to save, what experiences you've been able to finance. Um, Maybe you have a great credit score. Maybe you don't. No shame either way. But some of the lessons that you've picked up along the way probably has done you some good up until now and some of it 
might not be serving you anymore. And some of it might might be time for you to release, to examine some of that and actually release it. Now, either way, wherever you are, whatever's going on in your head is like thinking about all the things that I'm already getting into, you're here and you're listening. And my guess is that you're here and you're listening because you're ready to expose yourself to stories and beliefs that are different from your own that could open you up to other ways of thinking and potentially shift things for you. Um, So before I project any more of what could or couldn't happen as you continue to listen to these podcast episodes, um, I want to just get into it. So this episode is truly one where I bear it all. So just to give you a little backstory, um, I am from Queens, New York, like Spider-Man. Except in my origin story, I do not get bit by a spider and gain superpowers. Instead, I get bit by the desire to create and expand and succeed and be authentic and both discover and cultivate what my own unique superpowers are. Technically, I was born in the Bronx, but I was raised in Queens and educated in Queens and Manhattan. Um, And I'll be honest, this is not a story about... um, You know, my story is not a rags to riches story. It is a story of self-generation and self-creation. But I definitely grew up always feeling relatively safe with money. Um, I never felt terribly worried that my parents' house was going to be foreclosed on or that we wouldn't have food on the table. That is not the world that I come from. That is not my experience. And so I want to be transparent about that as I am sharing my own story and the stories of many others that I am inviting on. I am inviting onto this show that there, there absolutely is a level and, and degree of privilege that I am coming from in my approach and my beliefs. And my intention is to be as transparent as possible with that. And I say that, I say that with the mindfulness of understanding that. Lots of people are going to listen to this podcast who come from a variety of backgrounds, a variety of places around the world, um, and that all of those things impact your beliefs, your attitudes, and who you are and what you know. Um, And it is not my intention to assume that anyone should take on a belief that doesn't serve them. Or that like this should just easily apply to everyone and everyone should be born feeling that way. Not at all my feeling. Um, But because I want to come from a place of complete transparency, that is where I'm coming from as I am sharing my story. So with that said, my father was an entrepreneur. Um, He wasn't an entrepreneur my entire life. He left uh, insurance sales. I believe I was probably a teenager when he left his his day job. He used to, you know, put on a suit and go to work every day and come home every day and, you know, do his thing, making great sales for the company that he worked for and um, transitioned into financial management and then eventually transitioned into his own business, which was a interesting thing to witness. Um, my parents were homeowners. We did own our house. It is true that my, my family still lives in the home that I grew up in. So the house that I was a child in, my childhood bedroom is still exists and my family is still there, which is actually, I know, quite a rarity. But as of recording this podcast episode, my mom still lives in the house that I grew up in, which is nuts to think about. Um, And so really what I'm saying is that what money problems my parents faced 
in their life, which there were, there were problems, I was shielded from. So, and there were issues for sure. My father, like I said, was an entrepreneur. He loved to take risks, entrepreneurship style risks, day trading style risks, quit your job and start a business type of risks, all of that. Um, And I'll also say a do what you love and create your own success type of risk, which for sure helped create who I am and my beliefs and my approach to business and all of those things. Now, everything that I stand for is for sure a result of being raised to believe, for better or for worse, that I have the ability to create money out of thin air. It still took, by the way, and continues to take a lot of terrifying trial and error to find the evidence that this is true. So as I started my own business, I was I was freaked out and scared and anxious and and did not feel safe and secure or believe that money would just show up for me and all of the things, all of those beliefs around financial security that when you're forced to leave a cushy paycheck or leave a cushy bridge job or leave something that feels secure and stable, um, it challenges your beliefs around money and you're forced to look at these things. Um, So as I was saying, for every belief, there are stories that support it. And there are stories that rip the belief to shreds. So, you know, I want you to believe that you can do anything. If you want to believe that you can do anything, your job is to look for proof of that. If you want to believe that the universe or God or whomever larger force you believe in completely and fully supports you, great. You want to look for the proof of that. And if you want to believe that life is meaningless and nothing is worth suffering or sacrificing for, then you can also find the proof to back that up too. Now, this show isn't about belief. This show isn't about faith. Um, But it is about your ability to create and create anything you want to create, that you feel called to create. And, And oftentimes, that also means your ability to create money. Now, at a very young age, I was taught that you should never be upset about money because you can always always, always make more. And I remember that even to this day, if I spend money on something I regret, um, I think to myself, well, it's okay. You can always make more. There's always more and you can always make more. It's not a huge loss. It's not something to be upset about. Um, that was, I was literally raised with that belief and it was put, it was said repeatedly to me. So I took it on. Now, not everyone was raised to believe that. Some people were raised to save every every dollar or a certain percentage of the money that they make. And I was raised with more of a YOLO attitude towards life where we could order extra food at a restaurant just to try it. Um, so the abundance mindset was very strong in my household. But um, I will admit that while that was there, there was also like a sense of lingering unmet desire a lingering unmet desire for greater wealth, for greater acceptance, for greater belonging, and for greater love. Now, the fact is, I don't personally believe that my father achieved the success that he dreamt of before he passed away. I was 20 when my father died, and I'd say that he was in the middle of a pretty major business up-level when he passed. Now, I realized much later on, like a decade plus later on, that this moment of his death actually created a belief in me that I didn't know. It, it actually created the belief in me that I couldn't succeed past a certain point 
because he didn't. And it was only immediately prior to my own quote-unquote up-level that I was facing massive anxiety and like this fear of death thing kept coming up. And I realized, oh, that was coming up because what else did I know? What else did I witness? I witnessed my father make an attempt to up-level his own business and he passed away before he could. So one of the big things that tends to get in our way when it comes to receiving is this idea of surpassing our parents in terms of lifestyle or financial gain. So some of us carry this belief that we'll repeat their patterns over and over again for better or for worse, um, that it's shameful to surpass them in any way, um, or that it's just not possible because we have not seen that modeled for us. And the truth is like, literally anything is possible. <laughs> um, if you allow yourself to have the belief that it is, then it is. I started my business at 30 years old in my mother's basement after abandoning Hollywood because I felt I couldn't quite hack it emotionally. Although my screenwriting work had gotten some traction, and although I was working a job that tons of people would have died for, I was also experiencing regular panic attacks. I was eating my feelings, like literally every break I could get, shoving chocolate, any chocolate or carbs that were in the office I was working in, like were going into my face at any given moment. Um, And I'll also transparently say that eating my feelings is something that I had struggled with and continue to, I mean, occasionally struggle with, not so much now, um, but it's something that I struggled with on and off for my whole life. And I was having a very hard time envisioning an optimistic future at this moment. Um, In addition, I was starting to use my credit cards for basic living expenses because my 70-hour-per-week job was barely paying me enough for rent and food, let alone the wardrobe that I needed and the nightly networking that I was expected to do in order to succeed. The other thing I'll say about this is that I am not naturally a very good executive assistant, which was the job that I held working in development in Hollywood. Um, because to be frank, I'm not really a great system creator. And I now that I've started my own business, I've learned that about myself. But at the time, uh, I didn't know that. And the, my brain and energy were not designed to operate that way. And no matter how hard I tried, I just felt constantly drained by the stress and the pressure and the impossibility of doing a good job. So if you really want to try feeling terrible about yourself and beating up on yourself, just try working a job that you're terrible at. And you'll probably figure out (laughs) that it's really easy to hate yourself when you're forced yourself to do things that you're not very good at all day long. Um, But it was this, this job in Hollywood that ultimately sent me back to New York City and back to bartending which while some people are pretty terrible at, I was absolutely fantastic and excellent at. Um, At the time, I didn't know enough about myself or personal development or energy to know that it wasn't my fault that I was drowning at that job. I had even started going back to therapy and considered medication, um, and my psychoanalyst even told me that I had had the wrong attitude. Like... Well, you just have the attitude of an old person and you should be willing to do your time as a young person to climb the ladder into your own success. So that was the feedback I got from a very terrible analyst at that time in my life. 
And the truth was that I was smothered in a sea of anxiety and depression that had everything to do, not with the fact that I needed an attitude shift, but with the fact that I was working a job that I was terrible at for a promotion that I didn't even want, like I didn't want the next job, for money that wasn't sustaining me, and for an ungodly amount of hours each week. So I was working 70 plus hours. I was taking home less than I needed to cover rent and food in a car. And yet it still took six months and a computer meltdown at 8 p.m. on a Friday night to break me. And I'll never forget that night because I was working on a report that I had to finish for the Monday meeting and everyone else in the office was gone. Most of the lights were off and I was having tech problems and there was no one there. The IT department wasn't there. Like no one could help me. And I was just trying to finish a report so I could leave for the weekend. And it just wasn't happening. I think maybe there was one other assistant or person at the office that was still there. And it was pretty miraculous that I had gone that long without having any kind of emotional breakdown at work because the job was so stressful and the person I was working for was really quite hard on me. Um, I remember people in the office saying like, I don't know how you can deal with him speaking to you that way and whatever. Um, and I didn't even really notice, which was interesting. I was just like, whatever, it's the job. It's my fault. I should be doing a better job. So that Friday night, I went into the bathroom at the office and I locked the door and I just cried my eyes out. And I said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And this is just not working. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was the moment that I decided that I was not willing to accept less than what I was worth. And that choosing torture for some dream of glory in the future wasn't actually something I needed to do to myself in order to get where I wanted to go because I was capable of more and I didn't have to punish myself to prove it. Four years into being an agency owner <laughs> and it hit me that I had completely left a piece of myself behind. This had happened once before in life, by the way, back in high school. See, so I went to the Fame School. I don't know if you know the film or TV show Fame, um, but it is based on a high school for perform for the arts in New York City. It's a specialized high school, and that's where I went to school. So I went there for visual art. And at the time, before I went into high school, when I was just in middle school, I was into all of it. I was into writing, I was into acting, I was into painting and drawing and fashion design, and I was winning awards at school for all of the things, and I was loving all of the things, and I was probably the happiest that I had ever been when I you know, look back on the years of my life. I felt the most myself. I felt completely and fully expressed, and I also felt blessed to be in a New York City public school in Queens that had a great arts program. So at the time, that was true. Um, you know, New York City does have excellent public schools with excellent programs. Um, and I was really, really blessed that way. But once I got in to a high school for that visual studio art, I was then forced to focus on one discipline. I couldn't play in theater because theater was for theater kids. I couldn't dance because dance was for dance kids. And I was forced into the, this singular focus 
everything that constituted a studio art, be it painting, drawing, pen and ink, photography, ceramics, watercolor, design, acrylic, oils, art history, digital art, etc., etc. I had classes in all of those things, plus regular high school classes. And it was amazing. And I learned so much. And I brought, I was able to develop myself as an artist really professionally on a professional level, really, really young. But those were also some of the most difficult years of my life. Those were the years that I descended into an eating disorder. Those were the years that I self-isolated. And those were years that I completely shut myself off from love and relationships. And I was creating. I was creating art on a consistent basis. I was in tons of classes that had me creating art on a consistent basis. And the work was beautiful. And yet I wasn't fully expressed. So you can bet when high school ended, I then went, went on to study at the most interdisciplinary program possible for college, um, where I literally got to design my own major and every class is interdisciplinary and it is not one single discipline. But what I learned in those years wasn't just about the importance of combining disciplines, which is some of the work that I do with my clients now. What I learned is that sometimes you can find yourself unexpressed because your focus is accidentally singular. Maybe from obsession, maybe from need, maybe from love. There's a quote from the movie Adaptation, if you haven't seen it, it's a good one, (laughs) that I come back to again and again about this concept of obsession. And the quote goes something like, You know, that we obsess over things because of how it allows us to whittle the world down to a more manageable size. And I think about that a lot. I think about how it serves us in making the world seem less overwhelming and making our options seem less broad. I think about how zeroing in with something like an eating disorder made it easier for me to live in a world where there were endless choices about food because it gave me a constant set of rules to live by. And I think about how hard we resist freedom because it's terrifying to face both our own power and the uncertainty of it all. We love being led because of this. This is one of the reasons why so many of us don't choose freedom and don't choose to try to create the job of our dreams. Because when someone else decides, be it the universe or your boss, or your partner, you're then out of the hot seat. But when we're talking about you and your life and what you're capable of, how can we ever be willing to sacrifice your truest expression of self in your one single life in exchange for the comfort of peace of mind or certainty? When you're not being completely 100% you, Your soul will always work to bring you back to a state of homeostasis and balance, and it will do so by figuring out precisely what's missing, usually with pain, and adding it back in, usually with radical change. So for me, at the four-year mark in my business, I found that I had to shed the identity of being an entrepreneur for a little while, and I decided to shut down my copywriting agency, even though it was successful and even though it kept growing by 50% year over year. So the revenue kept expanding and it was growing and successful. And I decided I can't do this anymore. I have to start over and find a new way. Why? Well, 
At the time, I felt that I wasn't living my own dream. I was actually living my father's dream. My father, who was an entrepreneur, who taught me so much of what I know about business and so much of what I believe about the about cre- money creation and success creation and wealth creation and marketing and sales and all the things that I am so blessed to have in my arsenal, um, I knew that he had a dream for me in addition for himself, right? And Sometimes, in addition to the beliefs that we carry about all of those aspects of our life and what's possible for us, we also carry obsessions that sometimes aren't our own. And we have to learn how to separate the wounded, unhealthy obsessions with the true legacy work. Now, the obsession for me with being a boss or with hitting a certain revenue goal wasn't in my highest good. You know, it wasn't serving me anymore and that's okay. I get emotional even talking about this because, because it is emotional. It's emotional to talk about what it takes to get really, really honest about the driving factors that are motivating you, that are causing you to make the decisions that you make, to make the choices that you make, to make the sacrifices that you make and, and to be really honest about what's healthy for you and what isn't and what actually is making you happy and what isn't. So I had to let go of a successful business structure that I had built in many ways, not just to serve me, but in honor of my father. And then I had to do it over again my way. I had to rebuild my business over again and I had to grieve losing him all over again. And sometimes Weird shit like that is just part of the process of being a creative who's consciously building the life that they want. Now, I don't know if this podcast would even exist were it not for my father's work. Um, he also, as as a young, you know, before I was born, uh, when he was in his 20s, he worked in nonprofits. And one of his initiatives was building art centers in underprivileged communities around Brooklyn and Queens and Manhattan. And he did that work with the Red Cross for a short period of time. <clears throat> and this is something that I didn't even know until he passed away, something that I discovered about him um, later. But it sparked this new desire in me to serve a community of creatives in a way that I hadn't before. And what I know for sure is that my desire to serve a community of creatives is legacy work for me, but it's also a piece of me. You know, that desire, like I'm going to tell you that your desires must exist in balance with all the other pieces of yourself or else you're not breaking the pattern that you're here to break. So the process of allowing all the various pieces of you to have a voice and participate in your life's decisions is an ongoing process. I consider myself an artist. I consider myself an entrepreneur. I consider myself a woman. I have aspirations to be a mother at some point in my life. I have aspirations to be a strong, loving partner to someone in my life. And all of those various pieces of me, you know, being a great friend, being a great sister, being a great daughter, being, being, you know, a force as a creative, right? I'm sure those are things that you can also identify with and allowing all of those different pieces of you to have a voice and participate in your life's decisions is an ongoing process. It's not something where you're just suddenly done, um, which is one of the big reasons why I wanted to create this podcast and start this conversation in the first place. 
what I learned, you know, and what I have learned over my years doing the work that I'm doing, you know, both, you know, inside work and outside work is that at any given time, you know, we're not ever completely expressed. Like you're never at a 100 mark at any given moment all the time, but we are all working to be so and doing our best with what we've got. But there is always still room for us to gain the wisdom and the insights that we need to do it better and to push us in the right direction, whatever that might be for you, because the process of being a creative is a messy process. The reason that I started this podcast is because I want more creatives to tell their true story and I want more people to talk about the money piece (laughs) because it's important and because creative work has so much value and it's important for us to acknowledge that value and to honor that value and to own that value. Money and creativity are not mutually exclusive. They actually go hand in hand because we need money to create and we need to create for money. The way that that looks is different for everyone and your version will always be completely unique to you. And whatever it is that you want to create, whether that's a project that's on your heart or whether that's your first $1 million or both, I want you to know that you can. You can. All you have to do is commit and create like you mean it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Creatives Making Money, but don't go anywhere without subscribing. And remember, after the show, it's the after party, and after the party, it's the... Okay, I'm going to stop singing now. But remember, we do a weekly after party on Facebook Live every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. So each week I'll be jamming there live. Tomorrow I'll be there live with my damn self on a special actionable takeaway for you from today's episode. So go to creatives making money slash after party to join us on Facebook live for the amazing after party. And if you're looking to connect with more listeners and like-minded creatives, you can. Part of the purpose of this podcast is to create conversation, and my biggest hope is that you continue the convo in our private online Facebook lounge. You can head to creativesmakingmoney.com slash group to join the free group. And as always, you can find all the important links and details in this episode's show notes available at creativesmakingmoney.com slash episode one. That's episode O-N-E. Do not hesitate to head over there now. And as always, create like you mean it.